Today's readings are Jeremiah chapter 31, 31 through 37, and Hebrews chapter 8, 1 through 13. They can be found on your screen. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 37. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and the stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will the descendants of Israel ever cease to be a nation before me. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out, will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of all they have done, declares the Lord. Hebrews 8, 1 through 13. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary. <coughs> Excuse me, The true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if, if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Holy Spirit, breathe now your fresh wind of understanding and of wisdom and of good news into our hearts and into our church and into your world. As we listen for your voice, we sit humbly as those who are more of a mess than we care to admit, and we listen for the gracious words that tell us, in Christ we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. Use whatever comes out of my mouth to, and whatever comes out of these words of these passages to weave into a message for your church today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a kid, the incredibly shocking, impressive thing about Michael Jordan was that he could fly. That was new. That was amazing. He was a different kind of basketball player. He could hang in the air forever. Well, it seemed like ages after that, except now looking back, it was just six or seven years, um, someone else came along, equally, well, in some ways, equally shocking and surprising in a new way, Shaq. And Shaquille O'Neal was shocking and amazing in a different kind of way, because he would break backboards. He was so big and so strong that when he would dunk, the, the glass would shatter. And then in two of his games in his, I think it was his rookie year in 1993, the whole structure of this massive basketball hoop just came tumbling to the ground after he dunked the ball. And so, of course, what the NBA had to do was they had to upgrade their backboards. They had to make better backboards. They had to be shatterproof. And that is my simple explanation for what we see in these passages my simple metaphor, when we look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, where the phrase is about the new covenant, that there are, it is built on better promises, shatterproof promises. The, the word covenant's important today in this brief reflection because we're talking about how the church, you know, we've talked about the church is all these different things. It's the bride. It's, it's a building. It's the body of Christ. Today we say the church is the covenant community. The word covenant is like a kind of outdated word, relationship with God. And the closest thing we have to when you're talking about the word covenant today is marriage. And it's still talked about sometimes as the marriage covenant. It's the idea of like you're joining two people together in a an extremely tight bond of oneness. And you do that through promises. That's critical. That's kind of how marriage today and the covenant language in the Bible is the same. And so we all know today, we all know throughout all history, <laughs> thank you, James, for the shack background. We all know, just keep that up, James. That's a good image for the whole message. That's Shaquille O'Neal's logo, him shattering a backboard. So 
We all know today about marriages that they're not shatterproof. We know about the flimsiness and the frailty of marriages. And in today's world, I mean, it's always been this way, but today's world, we even have statistics and surveys. We know the percentage of marriages that break, that shatter, and the numbers aren't good. Um, And so even with all that fuss of the promises and paying a caterer and paying a DJ and renting this and renting that, all that fuss... Well, what do you know, but a huge percentage of marriages still break down. The promises aren't strong enough. They're not good enough promises. And it's the same way, in a way, it's the same way throughout the Bible. Anywhere humans are involved in this relationship with God, as God is making a covenant, the human side always seems to be breakable. And even when it's this special people that God kind of, kind of herds together and makes special promises with and takes care of and says, you're my people, the people of Israel, even then, and even as as the church comes, you know, in the Old Testament, it's the people of Israel. In the New Testament, it's the church. And today, it's the church. Even with that, still, that the human side of the relationship is always very breakable. We can't seem to keep covenant. And so the Bible is not really a tale. I don't know if this is going to shatter your expectations about the Bible, but the Bible is not a tale about human religious achievement and about this amazing group of people that finally figured out how to be holy, and now they're here to share with you what they've done. You're going to have to go to other religions and other sacred texts for that, because the Bible tells us, when it comes to what it's telling us about humans, it tells us about the record, the human record of covenant breaking. That's what the Bible's telling us about. And so what's important to notice is that in the Bible, God spends huge chunks of time where his relationship with us is almost entirely one-sided. Massive stretches of time where the relationship is a one-way deal. Only God's side of the relationship is held together. Only his promises are kept. And we talk about this, talk about the Bible in terms of being the Old and New Testament. I don't know if this is news to you, but the word testament, it's not just an interesting way to say old book, new book, but it actually means covenant. That comes from the word covenant. So this idea of covenant is very important. It's so important that we've named the two parts of the Bible, old covenant, new covenant. And the new is like an upgrade that was needed because the human side of the covenant, as it looked in the old covenant, was it almost seemed doomed it's so you know it's going to shatter and there needed to be something there needed to be a bit of an upgrade in some way so that it's this covenant between us and God truly has the look and feel of being shatterproof a couple of ways that hebrews the writer of hebrews kind of points this out is he he has some fun showing the early church um, kind of the parallels, but also the upgrade that's at work in that in the old covenant, there was always this perpetual sacrificing. Always had to be done over and over and over again. Well, in the new covenant, there's just a one definitive sacrifice that has covered it all, that has made us right in the presence of God. Another kind of shatterproof element to the upgrade of the new covenant is the idea that if we're talking about the sacrifice metaphor, well, in the old covenant, there was a human priest. And when he went into sacrifice, he actually had to sacrifice for his own mistakes first, his own imperfection. And then he could go on to make a sacrifice for the, 
for the people to be made right again with God. And, and then, of course, with the new covenant, we have Jesus as the perfect priest. And, and because he's the perfect priest, he, he's not having to make sacrifice for himself. And then also, just kind of to add on to the analogy that the priest is always in the presence of God, you know, as that permanent definitive sacrifice. He's also the sacrifice. He's also the lamb who was slain. Now, now that's, you know, really for another day to go into that analogy. But this is the upgrade. And so what it does is, is this upgrade of the covenant just dials up the level of assurances, just the way that the NBA had to create shatterproof backboards, and then now there could be this sort of assurance like, okay, well, they've met new standards. In the same way, we are surrounded as the church. You are invited into a faith that is filled with assurances, and when you're surrounded by assurances, you can step out in faith a lot more confidently, with a lot more risk, with a lot more sense of adventure and bravery, because you're not playing those old games again, of those religious games of that, that are retrograde, that are old covenant of, have I done enough? Have I sacrificed enough? Am I acceptable yet? Am I, uh, is God mad at me? And instead, with full assurance of confidence, you enter into brave, risky, adventurous behaviors and steps of faith. I don't know if any of you remember. Do you remember the era when no one ever bought any clothes through the internet? I mean, this was so normal. And, you know, with the first time that this appeared, that you could buy, like, a pair of shoes online, people, I mean, that was like, no, that's a horrible idea. No one will ever do that. I mean, you can't. There's no assurances. Will it fit? How does it look with the shorts that I have? Um, I'm going to have to pay exorbitant rates to ship this thing. And then what if it doesn't fit? Then I have to return it and pay exorbitant rates for this. There were no assurances. It just seemed like a failed venture, a horrible idea. No one you would ever, you know, 15, 20 years ago, think that it's really logical that there would be all these sites now that are selling clothes and everyone's just buying their clothes on the Internet. Now, I know some of you might not be doing that, but a lot of people are. Well, what happened? Well, all of a sudden, there's free shipping. Hey, there's an assurance. And then all of a sudden there's a little, how does it fit? There's a size chart and a rating of how well this, this product usually fits people. And now there's getting to be some assurances. But of course, the big one, the massive shatterproof upgrade in all this was free returns. Now people can go crazy, right? Now you get like, oh, I'm going to buy five of those shirts in five different colors and sizes, and guess what? I'm returning four of them, right? I mean, it's just you step out into this confident, new, kind of adventurous, risk-taking swagger. Why? Because you have all these assurances. And friends, that's exactly how the gospel works. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews seems to have this sort of excitement and is just trying to make this exciting case about, look at how amazing, look at how incredible this new promise is. And the way that Jesus has stepped into this covenant relationship to just assure us. And so friends, we are the as the church, we are the covenant community. And we swim in the ocean of God's assurances. The, the aura, the, you know, the, 
the air that we breathe, the water that we swim in is filled with guarantees and assurances and dependability and confidence because of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian, and that's what it means to be the church. And so I just a couple of things that I think flow out of that. One is that I think it, it, this, the church being the covenant community creates people who are confident in their God. This might sound like a simple thing to say, but people who are confident in their God and not in themselves. You wake up in the morning and you know you have this or that problem or this or that issue or this or that broken relationship. Where's your confidence? The Christian's confidence is in God. And so when we come together for worship, we are rehearsing the, the promises, the assurances, and, and shoring up our comfort, confidence in this shatterproof relationship with God. And then also there's a byproduct, I think, of this confidence, is that the church begins displaying similar behavior as God has displayed to us. We begin to go out into the world and in, in the church as well. It starts here. We begin to make shatterproof bonds in unlikely places. Shatterproof bonds in unlikely places. I can't think of anything that applies to that more than right now in a very divided country with divided politics, with divisive race issues swirling around. To be the kind of people who make shatterproof bonds in unlikely places, the opportunity is all in front of us. So just a couple of questions. One, one question to today's message is, is God calling you to grab hold of this assurance in a greater way? His assurance that his relationship with you is shatterproof. And is God calling you in some way to step out into shatterproof kind of behavior? Unlikely places where we make shatterproof bonds with others. Another question that might apply for some people is, are you in a relationship where there's turmoil and maybe for the first time, you're being called to say, maybe it's okay for a stretch to let to have this relationship feel pretty one-sided right now because that's how God's displayed his love towards me. Can I, perhaps for a little season here, be okay with this feeling like a one-way relationship? And is that going to be the kind of the glue that sustains this unlikely relationship? Because the gospel is going to flow through us as a church into the world around us. I just want to take a second and, and give you like a minute to reflect on this message and listen for God's voice. As these questions pop up on the screen, there they are. Just take a minute for this and then I'll close in prayer.
Friends, let's pray. Our God of grace, um, may the message of your grace continue to seep into our lives, to change us, to soften our hearts. Um, as we as we need a shatterproof kind of love, and our world needs it. Um, as we're so quick to get vindictive and outraged, to write people off and to condemn people, we need your kind of gracious, shatterproof love arrive in your church and in your world so that, as this passage predicts, we won't have to tell anyone about you because your law will be in their minds and your name will be in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.